0: Welcome to Lean Agile Management Podcast, a show by Kanbanais that helps you boost work efficiency, create culture of high performance, and build teams that thrive. Welcome to The Lounge. Today on the show… Could it be that the most of the modern project management issues have just one main root cause? What do brain surgeries and lean have in common? Today we'll shine the light on the very core problem of modern work culture and look for specific lean solutions. Our special guest today is Steve Tenden, a management consultant, business advisor, and author. Steve is the creator of Tame Flow Approach and the managing director at Tame Flow Consulting Limited, where he helps organizations and teams reach new levels of performance. Hi, Steve. Welcome on the show. Hi, and uh, welcome to everybody
1: who's going to listen to us for the next uh, 25 minutes. I'm glad to be here.
0: It's a pleasure to have you, and I'm glad we could make this and you could have the time for this. Um, So maybe to get some context for our listeners, could we start from learning a bit bit more about you? So what was the first team that you've ever helped maybe? Um, Could you share either the main challenge that they've had or something about them that you first helped solve them? A consultant or coach in terms of? Lean and agile, like as you said, you start well, from extreme programming. So maybe in that context.
1: Well, I, I, I would I would uh, roll back even a few years before the extreme programming, because uh, it was shortly after I had left, uh, I have left Borland, and at that time I was in uh, in Switzerland uh, doing um, green banking uh, applications. What else did you do in Switzerland? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe uh, finding chocolate or looking at Class. Um, right. So it was a banking application, and uh, and uh, uh, it was in a in a, in a startup. So uh, um, so uh, very a very small tiny knit team, uh, which was on uh, uh, on a very very tight deadline. It, it was all shaping up to become one of those dreaded death marches. Um, and that was the first time I was really fully responsible for a, for a team. So uh, I, uh, I could, uh, could do basically what I wanted in terms of how to, to organize and how to work. Um, and uh, maybe the major um, thing that, that I did differently was, uh, was uh, this notion that eventually was Picked up or, or like uh, described in uh, um, in extreme programming, that uh, I would have like the developers and myself uh, sitting uh, uh, literally on the same side of the table with uh, mm-hmm. with the uh, business people, those those that had the, the ideas in in their heads, um, and uh, that uh, allowed to to cut out of the process many. Many formalities, uh, lots of documentation, uh, lots of checkpoints and milestones, and, and things that spread up incredibly. Um, I, I I really hate you know the metrics of uh, of lines per, per code. It doesn't mean anything, um, but nonetheless, uh, at the time it it was it was significant. And uh, comparing that kind of output or, or Production metrics uh, with uh, what was happening in other places. Um, that team was like order of magnitudes uh, much more uh, productive. So it was like the first time I could apply the teaching science I had brought with me from the time of um, of Berlin, and the first time I could actually see uh, a positive impact, a really good result on using uh, like basically those, those ideas because it was not a methodology, it was not a, an approach, not a
0: framework,
1: just mm-hmm. uh, um, experience and, and gut feeling of what should be the right thing to do.
0: Right, that's actually an interesting point that you've made there. I keep hearing people say that um, when people talk about lean and all the similar um, methods, philosophies, and all these tools that we have. People keep coming back and saying, well, that's actually common sense. That's how it was supposed to be done from the beginning. And that's interesting that we keep hearing, I keep hearing this thought that people just know what's right, they have this gut feeling, but yeah, somehow we stick to the funny metrics that messes up. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, um, I think that, that, that aspect, uh, the common sense aspect, uh, is is also something that when uh, when you start going around and and uh, teach companies how to work better uh, in in uh, inside they say well that's common sense and your natural reaction well if it was common sense why did you not apply it? what what is that artificial repeating uh, uh, mismatch that is always present in most companies and, and that um, so if you start thinking about that question well, what what is like the uh, the big thing that is always wrong everywhere, you might go in some interesting directions.
0: Okay, so maybe let's take it. (laughs) Ah. (laughs) That's a strong point because um, there are many people blame lots of different things for their failures. People used to say it's all about human factor or there was uh, for a long time there was this culture of blame laying. Right now i hope we see a shift from that with first agile and then lean and the mixes of all sorts but what would be in in your opinion and in your view the most burning hot or painful issue of modern project management and teams management and all what would be the core issue that we're struggling with right now
1: okay i, 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 I uh, like um approach this with uh, with uh, the uh, the mindset of um, of theory constraints, uh, so uh, how what what I'm trying to apply here is is answering the question what what would Goldrat do? Goldberg is yeah, Goldberg, the, the father of theory constraints, and uh, and the first step is always that of defining the goal. Where do you want to go? What do you want to achieve? Now, if we try to abstract that. Uh, in, uh, in general terms, you, you would always get to a point where most companies, um, in one way or another, they are most concerned about performance. Now, I don't want to go into the uh, uh, topic, which is also an interesting one, of uh, how do you measure productivity and, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, tailorism, in, uh, industrial uh, way of thinking, uh, because, by the way, I think many, many observations there are, are not really quite uh, quite um, uh, well thought out. So, but i have just put that aside and say if you start focusing on performance, uh, you, you will uh, see that there are certain things that are positive in performance. Uh, for instance, uh, many, in many places, because of market pressure, people are definitely overworked. They, uh, mm. they have to take over time. And there is always uh, more than one pile of work for uh, each and every one of, uh, of the people involved. So there is this uh, uh, overwhelming load of work. And of course, if you have performance, as, uh, as a weapon to tackle that, then we could even, uh, in an ideal uh, situation, we could uh, imagine that you are so fast at doing things that, well, you have time to go to the beach and take a spin <laughs> because the work was done, and you have free time. So there are aspects which really impact your personal, and individual life. Uh, uh, as a member of, uh, of a community which is working together, which we call the company. Now, if you have to you know, reflect on this, say that the objective is performance, what is it that takes you there? And uh, in my thinking, I, I have come up with uh, basically three things. Um, the most important one is probably trust. You need to build a community of trust. Uh, of course, if you're distrusting your peers or your co-workers or colleagues, you'll spend an enormous amount of energy just uh, fighting internally in the organization rather than trying to fight for, for the market share or fighting for making a better product or spending time with, with your customer and clients and stuff. So if you're not able to pack to that knot of creating a community of trust, you will never have performance. Um, The other point, which is strictly closely related to this, is that um, while everybody, not only do they need to trust each other, but they must be like rolling in the same direction. which also is both a consequence and, uh, and uh, a component of, uh, of, building, of building trust. Of course, if I work for three weeks doing something, then someone else comes along and says, no, that was totally wrong, we'll scrap it and do something else without any real motivation. Um, well, we waste a lot of effort and uh, probably and we start distrusting that person as well. And then the third part is, uh, is leadership. I use this expression of inspired leadership, which is confusing because most people understand inspiring leadership. And inspired leadership is uh, something that does not pertain to uh, a conventional uh, leadership role. It's uh, rather the uh, the act of leadership that inspires someone to take a standing and. Uh, perform these acts of leadership. So it's it could even be the latest hire in the company that sees something that shouldn't be quite that way and takes the initiative to fix it. And is so good at doing it that the rest of the people said, yes, that was good. I I do the same thereafter. So these three things are like the, the, the core of of flow. And um, um Going back to your question, I always tend to take a long way to come to to the point. Going back to your question, what what is it that is is really undermining uh, this possibility? Well, after many situations through many companies and being deeply inspired by uh, zero constraints, my conclusion is it's cost-based accounting. So it goes back to to notions that... uh, it's, it, it is how you count money and how you count monies in uh in a company that is the root cause for a number of uh of dysfunctions uh, and then the negative effects just ripple down that
0: wow that's that's a very fresh point and very strong but doesn't mean like we just blame blame the money <laughs> it's all the money's goat
1: it's uh it's uh, uh, it's a, like a paradox because uh, uh, with money you also have this uh, this uh, waning of uh, moral judgment. Um, of course, uh, there's no uh, no motivation to try to, to justify uh, greed or or the uh, the sharks that are out there um, trying to hunt down every possible. Uh, sent to uh, to increase their own personal benefit. That's this is not about that. It's it's more about how money is used as a resource in a company uh, to make things happen. Uh, it's it's pretty obvious. Without money, you you wouldn't be able to to buy your laptop. You wouldn't. Be able to keep the internet connection running. We wouldn't have this conversation. So it is. It is a. It's a resource, and uh, when you start using resources, uh, the next thing you you care about is well, how do I utilize them best? Why? Because they are limited. Uh, if we had an infinite amount of money, we wouldn't be concerned. But they are limited, so we we need to handle and manage. Uh, uh, the, uh, the finances in a in a responsible way, and this brings to the table this idea of, uh, of financial responsibility. And I sustain that uh, the practices of conventional accounting are really practices of, uh, as far as we talk about the running of a company, so the management part of a company, are really practices of financial irresponsibility. Hmm. So
0: uh, I guess I'm not a for that. <laughs> <laughs> mm, that's a very interesting point. And yeah, I can see definitely how that is is true because it, it, it also defines the kind of goals company would set, right? And the incentives inside of the team. Yeah, it's, it's a strong, strong point. But then what would be any possible way to tackle that I mean can we cannot just tell everyone how to deal their resources within the company and why would anyone listen right so how can we make any strong point about solving this issue or at least bringing it up
1: well this this is where where we are um, connection between lean and TLC becomes a, a really powerful tool uh, because with lean you start thinking about uh, about flow in terms of, um, of operations operational flow. By the way my approach is called flow because I identify four flows. One is the operational flow, the second one is the financial flow the third one is the informational flow and the fourth one is the psychological flow. So uh, lean uh, would help a lot in, in the first one, in the operational flow and then we have TOC that helps in the, in the operational and in the financial flow. So what's, uh, what I typically do to to like bootstrap a, a, a positive change is first of all to make people aware that if they want to increase uh, the, uh, the performance of the organization, they have to start uh, looking at the performance of uh, of individuals and look at the whole, so it's the systems thinking approach. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and in uh, we uh, we need to figure out ways uh, to uh, to maximize the capacity of the system. Um, the uh, I actually wrote up a couple of blog posts uh, which were up in the, um, the company's blog a couple of uh, months ago, I believe, where I tried to illustrate at least the first part of, of, this, uh, of this reason, uh, where you uh, want to um, gain uh, uh, control of the uh, of the workload in, uh, in your system. And Kanban gives you an excellent use for doing this because you will um, tend to, to to balance the the work that you release into the system with the actual capacity that the system is uh, uh, is capable of. And um, the, uh, the way to uh, bring this forward is to um I'm up with some metaphors to make people appreciate what this is all about because when you start saying you have to balance the the incoming work with, uh, with the capacity and uh, and maybe uh, we are in that situation where in order to do this you have to limit the working process which in turn means someone somewhere in that, uh, work process is standing still uh, because that's the nature of the work process uh, you uh, you have this immediate reaction which is uh, given by the cost accounting mindset that hey you cannot stand still I'm paying your salary you have to work 8 hours a day right, right? so you have that, that uh, um, economic pressure to always be busy yeah and, and that is also detrimental because if for some reason someone is uh, legitimately not busy, we will uh, you will make things up to appear to be busy, and we have a lot of small screens and and distorted understanding of what really is going on. But going back to that that point. How, how can you justify that someone uh, needs to be uh, idle and, and uh, not be working? And the uh, the metaphor I often bring up is that of uh, of, uh, of a patient. A patient in a hospital has to be patient because usually the patient is waiting for for the uh, the the nurses, the doctors to to be available to uh, to work on. Uh, on, on this case, yeah. Um, but the most effective way of uh, handling a patient is uh, is really to have uh, the opposite. It's to uh, to have all these skilled uh, professionals to be like waiting and available when their need is there. So when you go into into the uh, operations theatre, they, uh, of course, they will give you anesthesia, they will put you asleep, and hopefully the doctor will, suppose his brain surgery, will cut you open. I'm sorry for the rude attack or, or raw expression. but will cut you open uh, immediately after the anesthesia has had its effect. Um, and then the doctor will do his work, and then we'll stick together, and then we'll have the recovery. But imagine if you were uh, like a patient in uh, a conventional company where work is waiting for the worker. You could very well be in the situation where you have confidential anesthesia, and then you would be waiting for the next step. And by the time the doctor comes there and cuts you open, the effect of the anesthesia is gone. And that would be very painful. So that gives you a a vivid image of what it means to uh, get the work, so the patient, to flow through the system. Uh, Would you rather prefer to be the patient in a hospital where the workers are waiting for the work? Or in a hospital where the work is waiting for the workers. I think before, so there you start gaining this insight that flow has has some deep uh, deep impact, and uh, it will also continue with that metaphor of the hospital. It would also impact the total time we are actually uh, staying in the hospital. Right. The uh, less you have to wait in between the states. So the less you have to be patient, the sooner you get out. And in those in between the states, we have uh, a very low-hanging fruit, which can, uh, can be uh, uh, easily, uh, easily exploited. Um, and that uh, brings us to efficiency. But what? why did we get into this reasoning? Well, it was in terms of how do you start creating like, a unity of purpose and an understanding of... Um, we must work together as a team. If uh, you start to have everyone in an organization to appreciate this metaphor of the patient in the hospital, and you start looking at the work that comes into the organization as, uh, as a patient, and you start asking the question, what can we do to avoid this work, this patient be standing still? then uh, we will start to develop uh, thoughts and ideas uh, which maybe without knowing all the theory behind it will uh, allow you to um, introduce flow in the system and this then starts creating those situations which run counter to cost accounting because necessarily we will have people these precious data resources, which are idle, they are standing still, waiting for their turn to run forward with the baton. If we want to use the, the, uh, the labor um, and that 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 is a very defining moment because then then you you start questioning well why do we have this uh, this paradox that on the one side we want people to always be busy because that is capital uh, efficient and the accountants are happy but on the other side as a patient someone who's experienced uh, has had a hospital experience i can very well relate to the benefits for the customer Oh, uh, yes. to, to have a private view, and that's like the start of it and from that i I continue with uh, with uh,
0: other more sophisticated exercises <laughs> but like I think, exercise. <laughs> right. but I think everyone who's who's listening right now has this very vivid image of of skull brain and brain surgery being in that, progress. That makes an impact, yes, yeah. So I guess that's a wonderful example. It's really strong, though, but it is. it has to be like that, I guess. Because, as you said, um, it's, it's actually it's all coming back to value and what's value for us, how we define it. Because if we say that the value is money, then we're missing the point. We've seen companies many times over and over, say, or with their actions show that that's the main, co- and the main reason they're doing things, and then they would lose customers. I've had a conversation recently about the very same thing when people felt like they've been milked for the very last penny and they they would never come back to that company. They would never get the service again. But if the value is customer, if the value is delivering, like doing what what the company is all about, that changes it. It, And having this value-centered mentality seems to be the solution to so many different other issues, just like you just Yes, and, and
1: I think there is also another, uh, like um, uh, lurking conflict that that uh, needs to be addressed, especially in uh, in the agile space, mm. uh, because for uh, for good reasons, people in agile uh, have become very concerned about conventional. Uh, metrics and uh, they, um, they have developed like uh, rightly so I would say an allergy to, to uh, the word productivity and by the way uh, my my book also has the the word productivity in its, uh, in its title, and it's even worse because it's called hyper-productivity. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, the uh, intent there in, in all of my work is, uh, is not that tailoristic idea of uh, getting out the whip and uh, just uh, um, you know, exploit people in the maximum possible way. It goes back to what, what I said at the beginning here about uh, performance has benefits for you as a worker, of course, provided that the company stance, this this philosophy. And you know, related to what we exactly said, the, the notion of value performance is always something that gives value to, to, uh, to the customer, uh, either directly or indirectly. If you are that patient, of course, you experience that performance uh, as a better service, you're you're exposed to to the perils of the hospital uh, in a shorter uh, time frame. Uh, in other instances, you might not have such a direct benefit of performance. Uh, for instance, uh, consider uh, companies that deal with innovation that have to create new products and new uh, and new services. Nowadays, we're using uh, some very like experimental approaches like, like lean startup where where uh, you basically don't know what you're doing you're finding out what, what the, the customer likes and what the customer would, uh, would pay for uh, and even that context performance is extremely important because the faster you can produce an experiment the faster you can learn and the faster you will be able to to make that final pivot uh, before your startup funds uh, run uh, run out, so the notion of uh, of uh, with the old word collectivity or the performance being something negative because it's tied to uh, to exploiting people, I think is completely superseded and, and uh, has nothing to do with uh, with the contemporary understanding
0: of uh, what performance is really about. Thanks for sharing it. That. that sounds really great, and. Um, I think we just recap once again the main things that we've said because
1: and, uh, in, in the quest for creating uh, organizations and teams that are high high performers high performers um we, we need to care about three things in my opinion one one is that uh, uh, we need unity of purpose we, not, we must not work one against another we must have a community of trust we must not have hidden agendas and we must appreciate inspired leadership which means active of leadership by anyone who is capable to, uh, to, to perform that and uh, we must be very cautious about the the um, most common practices that undermine uh, all of these things, and that is has one name. There is one uh, clearly identified enemy, if you wish to use like, uh, uh, that and that is cost uh, cost accounting. Because cost accounting will uh, hinder the adoption of any kind of uh, low inspired method of working. Uh, primarily because uh, idleness uh, cannot be accounted for, it's it's seen in a negative way and uh, also because with cost accounting you lose the vision of uh, the, uh, the performance of the whole system uh, and as a matter of fact with cost accounting you would uh, tend to slice and dice the organization in, in as small pieces as possible and then do cost allocations for this and for that. Uh, and at the end, all of these pieces which are awaiting, like the budgeting process, are awaiting a piece of the budget, well, they will be fighting one against the other, one against another. And that explains why cost accounting from budgeting to actual measurement of KPIs is uh, is undermining any kind of adoption of uh, of load. Uh, The solution is to start to use uh, um, approaches like uh, like lean. But uh, once you have lean, that is like necessary, but in my opinion, not uh, sufficient. And that is like the right thing. That my combining lean and agile and TOC uh, has. Uh, As future advantages, once you have adopted lean, you can um, get the benefits of throughput accounting by looking at what TOC has been doing. So then combining lean and TOC, you get something which is more uh, powerful. And uh, in my world, that has a name, it's called technical. Great.
0: Thank you once again. That's been Steve Tandon, and we'll see you next time. Thank you, everybody. Until next time. If you'd like to keep learning about the topics we've covered in this episode, look for the links and downloadable content in the description to this episode. The Lamp is brought to you by Kanbanize, the leading Kanban software for lean management. Learn more at kanbanize.com. If you're watching us on YouTube, leave us a like. And if you're listening on iTunes, feel free to leave us a review. We really appreciate that. Thanks for joining us and see you here next time.